Now, the word conversation here does not mean a friendly chat over the fence with your neighbor about the weather. The word conversation here means your whole lifestyle. It is your life under the microscope. From Monday morning, you get up till you lay your head on the pillow, and each hour of each day that you're awake, you are living, or ought to live, a Christian lifestyle. Now, this letter called uh, to Hebrews, to Hebrew Christians, was calling them to adopt great change in their worship. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliver. Today, we continue with Hebrews 13 on the conversation or the lifestyle of the Christian. And that, of course, is emphasized greatly here in Hebrews 3, uh, verses 5 and 7. Let your conversation or your lifestyle be without covetousness. And that is a very important thing. And we are to be content with such things as we have. So that's the message today as we go to the pulpit of our church. And that our Bible word on Calvary is redemption. The redeeming work of Christ on the cross, whereby he purchases our pardon. We are in bondage. We are in debt. And the Lord, by his own precious blood, redeems us. We are not redeemed by silver or gold, but by the precious blood of Christ. We also have the Whitfield Choir to sing near the cross. Stay tuned for our message here today from our Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale. And, of course, you have here in chapter 1, Joshua standing at the edge of the Red Sea. He is now commissioned to be the leader of the people of Israel over the Jordan. Did I say Red Sea? I meant the Jordan. And he is about to lead the children of Israel over the Jordan. He is, Moses is dead. Joshua is the leader. And he gets a great promise from God. And we read here in verse 5 in this book of Joshua, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And so in that little statement, you have the absolute assurance of the present help of the Lord in every situation. Going over the Jordan, going around Jericho, going against all the nations, and all the battles as they sought to possess the land. And so this is a great statement and the assurance that God will be with us. And so when the bank account is running low, when the bills are piling up, when you don't know where to go for help, pray. The Lord will be our helper. When our health is failing, when our needs are growing, the Lord says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, out of that, there come two conclusions. 
Going back now to Hebrews 13 and to verse 6, we're looking at this statement and, and the little word so again, so important. So means there's a conclusion to the statement that is given, if I can find Hebrews 13 and verse 6. And there are two conclusions here. Number one, so we may boldly say, that means we have great confidence. If it's true, and it is true, God will never leave nor forsake us. Then we have great confidence. We may boldly say, God is our helper. And the word helper there is succorer. He's only a shout away. We can call on him in time of need. No wonder Christians use this in prayer meetings. This is a great verse to take to the Lord in prayer. And you can never use it too often. You can never wear it out. You can use it in every prayer meeting you attend. Lord, you've promised I will never, 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 never leave nor forsake. You'll be with us. And we're here to pray on the basis of your presence and your promise to help. So we may boldly say, the Lord is our helper he will come to our aid. Now, the second conclusion, the second conclusion is, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You'll see that in verse 6. So, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And, this is conclusion number two, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Here lies the greatest problem of persecuted Christians. And when you think of Hebrews, converts out of Judaism, uprooted from their homes, driven out of Jerusalem, and you read the book of Acts, you learn how they were scattered abroad everywhere because of persecution. And these are troubled Christians troubled by the hatred of hostile Jews and Pharisees, people like Saul of Tarsus before he was converted. And if you were met by Saul of Tarsus, you would need to be on your knees praying, Lord, I need your help. I need your protection. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Now, if you do not have the fear of the Lord and the assurance of his presence, you will have the fear of man. And this is the great antidote to the fear of men. Now, men can do a whole lot of things to us. They may strip us of our money. They may take away our possessions. And if you want to turn to Hebrews 10, 34, you'll see how that happened. Uh, for ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. So these Christians endured those things. They endured loss of money. They endured loss of home and stability. And men could take away their money and take away their possessions, but they could never take away the Lord's presence. They could never take away the promise I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, apply that to your heart tonight. Take great courage in this wonderful truth 
that the Lord is with us. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Many live as worry warts. Many live on their nerves, fearing the future, fearing tomorrow, fearing what may arise in various situations. And of course, we live in a very uh, fluctuating world. The instability of this world is fearful. We have seen in recent times stock markets crash. We have seen political leadership just go down the tube as far as confidence in man's leadership. We have nations at the verge of nuclear war. We have Middle Eastern countries that I can't explain the madness of it all. How horrible to be living in such a place. Think of the Coptic Christians murdered this week in Egypt, where you have other forces just gunning down people on a bus trip. Now, Coptic Christians are not evangelical, but of course they're not Muslim, and therefore they were targets. The instability, the insecurity. We are also aware that in Iraq, while Saddam Hussein was called a madman, Christians had relative protection. Today they have none. It seems to be the only hope is to leave the country. And the whole country seems to be eradicated of any form of Christians. This is a, a very, very fearful world. We live in a sheltered part of it. And yet, the madness in our streets of drugs and crime and just the, the violence that pops up so frequently. We could live constantly in fear. And this promise is a tremendous, tremendous foundation and firm hope and help to us. Then verse number seven, moving on here. Live considering the outcome of faithful leaders. Now, how did I get to that heading? I had to really work on verse 7. Remembering them which have the rule over you. That would sound like your elders. In fact, you come to that in verse 17. Obey them which have the rule over you. Now, verse 17 is the local elders in your church. Verse 7 is different. Verse 7, I have come to conclude, refers to those who have been your heroes of the faith in the past. And you have a list of them, of course, in Hebrews 11, from Abel, Enoch, Noah, right down the line. Remember them which have the rule over you, which have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith following follow, considering the end. Now, the word end means outcome, the outcome of their lifestyle conversation. This is one of the reasons why it's good to have heroes of the faith. We learn that their sufferings, their sacrifices for the gospel, for Christ's sake, were not in vain. And all that those worthies that we read of in Hebrews 11 and the 
suffering that they endured, some of them even unto death. But the outcome of it all, well, Moses, he endured seeing a city whose maker was God, esteeming the riches of Christ far better than the riches of Egypt and Pharaoh. Where's, where's Moses today? Well, he showed up on the Mount uh, Transfiguration, didn't he? He's in blessing. If there's any man we can be sure of uh, that is in blessing and is alive, it's Moses. And you can take all of those who believed in Christ, believed in the cross, believed in the resurrection, and they are now reaping their eternal rewards, the outcome of their life. Now, while they were on earth, look at verse 7 again. It says, Those which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. While on earth they were Bible lovers. They spoke unto us the word of God. They were Bible preachers. Noah was a Bible preacher. They turned the Bible into a life of faith. That was their lifestyle. It was a biblical lifestyle. And these are the mighties who gained eternal rewards. And their sacrifices, the pain, the short-term pain, has meant long-term gain. And all who have gone before us and died in Christ are far better off to be with Christ, which is far better. And what gets written on a man or woman's tombstone sums up how they have lived and died, if they have died in worldliness or in the gospel. I couldn't help but think of the grave of Mr. Routley. Doug Routley was our treasurer for many years in our church and passed away just four years ago at Christmas Eve. On his gravestone is one Bible text, Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. What is the outcome of a life lived for Christ? Now, Mr. Routley was not a missionary. He was not a preacher. I could never get him to preach a sermon. He did some little devotionals once in a while at a prayer meeting. He could certainly conduct a business meeting or an AGM very well as our treasurer. He served the Lord, and he had a clear testimony of God's salvation. We can consider him as one who ministered in the Lord's church. We are to remember, it says here, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end or the outcome of their lifestyle, their conversation. I'm sure you know Christians who sacrificed many things for the Lord. They denied themselves of this world, its pleasure, its sin, to have a testimony for Christ. 
the outcome of their lifestyle stands tall. The legacy lives on. And that's how we're to live. That when we end this world's journey, the outcome will to be be with Christ, which is far better, and of course to leave a testimony of one who served the Lord and not the world. Moving to verse 8 now, and I realize it's hot, and I realize that time is going on, and maybe I'm biting off more than we can chew here tonight. Uh, this is a great text. What I might do is just give you a little summary of this point, and maybe I'll come back to it again next week. This verse 8 appears to be a standalone text. There's no lead into it. There's no because, there's no for, there's no so, there's no connection between verse 7 and 8, apparently. And then when you get to verse 9, it doesn't seem to follow on with be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. This verse 8 stands as a Gibraltar text. It's like a rock rising up out of the sea, standing alone. This is one of the great statements of Christian truth. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. What a statement and what a big theme it leads us to. And you know what? It's the theme of the book of Hebrews. When you give up Judaism as a Hebrew and you take Christ as your Savior, Nothing changes, because he's the same yesterday. He's the Messiah that your prophets prophesied about. He's the one that every Levitical sacrifice pointed to. And in this book of Hebrews, there are many references to unchanging. Christ has an unchanging priesthood, and there is no change in him. This is a great text, and think what it means in our theology. And I had intended to go and say, we can preach exactly what Paul the Apostle preached, what the early Christians in the first century preached, Peter's sermon, repent and turn to Christ. I can preach that today. I can preach apostolic doctrine today. I can preach what the reformers preached and the great evangelists of this world preached the same gospel in the 21st century because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. There's not another discipline of learning in the world like Christianity. There's not another religion in the world like Christianity because they keep changing. Even the fundamentals change. I'll not take time to get on all of that tonight. Maybe, with the Lord's help, we'll come back to this great Gibraltar text, Hebrews 13, 8, and preach it next Sunday evening. It is a great truth. And we've got to lay hold upon it. We've got to lay hold upon it. Sailors 
sailing through the Mediterranean look for the Gibraltar rock. That's their landmark. Can't go wrong when you have that insight. And what are we to do as Christians? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's our confidence, and that is our timeless message. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak, and we're going to Calvary again today to consider the Lord Jesus on the cross as our sacrifice. William Nicholson, 1862, wrote, Our redemption was mercifully purposed and devised by Jehovah. It existed in the fathomless depths of infinite wisdom and love. The Son of God is the great, efficient, and meritorious author of our redemption. God redeemed us by the righteousness of His own Son. And here we have a great quote from Galatians 4, verse 4, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. So Christ was possessed of the highest dignity and glory. He was the Son of God, co-equal with the Father, infinitely endeared to Him by an ineffable union, and a full participation in all the attributes of divine nature, and therefore must be infinitely superior to and higher than the angels. Yes, He is the object of angelic adoration. Hebrews 1.6 we read here, of the angels worshiping him, and he is represented as being one with the Father, in whom dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead. He is the creator of the universe, the ruler of the worlds, the Lord of providence, the judge of all, but behold him on a cross." While many consider the Christ of Calvary on the cross as foolishness, yet to them that believe it is the power of God, because in the death of Jesus was God's redemption purpose. To redeem means to buy back, and it took the payment of an infinite person joined to divine nature to purchase our salvation. All the debt of guilt and sin was against an infinite God. God was offended. God was wounded by our sin. And so the payment had to be made in infinite proportions that we might be saved from the depths and the guilt of sin. So sinner today, look to the cross. Do not look to any other instrument for salvation. It is at the cross where you find pardon through the redeeming, buying back power of the blood of Jesus. And so let me plead with you today to go by faith to Calvary and put your trust in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and say with Thomas, my Lord, and my God, and you shall be saved. 
Now stay tuned as we continue in song today. to Let the Bible Speak. I hope you've been blessed today through the ministry of God's Word. I'd also be delighted to talk with you. My personal phone number is 
1-800-242-2040. Please call to let me know that you're listening, and we can open the Bible and pray together. For all the information about our radio ministry in Canada and our churches in Buffalo, Scarborough, Port Hope, and Barrie, please go to ltbs.ca. If you have been blessed today, please kindly consider helping us to cover the cost of airtime. Your gift, large or small, will make the difference. You can donate online at ltbs.ca or by mail. Our mailing address is LTBS 18790, 58th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3S 1M6. My phone number again is 604-897-2040. And remember to join us again at this time next week on this station as we let the Bible speak.